1: How'd you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You you personally? I think we ain't done yet.
2: All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Butting Heads Podcast. Up out of Rams Talk Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the best place to get all your podcasts. I'm Steve Rivero here as always with Johnny Gomez. Johnny not online right now. We just wrapped up an interview that I know you guys are gonna like with none other than Sosa Crumengeus, former host of the Lockdown Rams podcast. So stay tuned. We're gonna get to Sosa and Johnny in a second. Before we get started though, just wanted to quickly remind you guys that we are still partnering with Nico Sports to hook you guys up. With a discount on a commemorative Super Bowl limited edition football, uh, it's an awesome product, and uh, it's, it's got all got all, got a lot of good stuff on it. I, I'm looking at the picture, and I it is too not zoomed in to read you all the shit on it, but it's got the schedule on it, it's got some of the players, it's got the champions, of course, because we are the champions. So uh, I will put the link for that in the bio. I might have forgot it last week, but I'm doing it this week, I promise. Uh, use the promo code RAMSTALK, all caps, and you're going to get $10 off that football. Limited availability, so uh, go out there and grab it if you have not, If if you want it. I'm not going to force you guys to buy anything, but uh, it's a really good football to commemorate the Super Bowl championship. And yeah, without further ado, let's get to our interview. All right, super excited to have head of NFL info at... Underdog fantasy. I don't know why I just forgot that. I literally just asked Sosa where he worked five seconds ago, uh, and former host of the Lockdown Rams podcast. This guy needs no introduction. Sosa Cremendous is with us. D- did I just pronounce the last name right? Oh yeah, that's a ten out of ten for me. Fuck yeah, I'm hyped. Uh, how you been, man? I know. I'm sure a lot of our listeners used to listen to you on the Lockdown Rams podcast. Uh, and you haven't been on there for a while, so I just I just want to let you sound off, man. How is is the Super Bowl uh, magic still in the air with you? How you doing, man?
3: Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been an eventful playoffs. You know, it's uh, it's been busy. Obviously, I'm still kind of getting used to everything over here at Underdog. But uh, in terms of the Rams and just watching the football, man, it was great. I, I mean, it, it felt like this team was sort of destined to go all the way. Uh, you heard even the players saying it like it was written and it just felt like that. I mean, this was the most talented team in my opinion throughout the entire season, especially after they go out and trade for Von Miller and sign OBJ. Um, and it just feels right. Like they were the best team. I thought they were the most deserving team to win. Uh, and it's just super cool to see how, you know, a team like the Rams, like, you know, Les Snead, he's insane. He's going to trade all these picks, all this crazy stuff. It's dope to see it really work out, you know, because oftentimes you don't see this kind of thing work out more often than not. I feel like it's, Uh, you fail miserably. And so uh, to see the Rams actually win was dope. Obviously I'm a Rams fan. So, you know, I love that as well, but uh, it was great, man. I celebrated. I was up till like six in the morning. I was absolutely inebriated, um, nervous during the game, but that was, you know, a memory I'll never forget for sure. Yeah. The question
1: though is how did you celebrate? Was there tequila or vodka involved?
3: There was um, neither of those. I, I was drinking a lot of beers, uh, a lot of tall boys. I had a lot of buddies over. I think there was about ten of us, um, and then we tapped into the Jaeger. And after that, things started to get uh, a little bit hazy. Uh, you, you lost me at Jaeger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. I feel
2: like it's a drink where you either love it or you just can't stand it. And I personally
3: love it. So yeah.
2: So, so I, I heard you briefly that night. Last night, when I uh, I joined uh, our our buddy Kev Masarajan at Roto Baller was hosting a spaces it was like 1 30 a.m our time and i i like couldn't sleep i was like yeah fuck it i'm just gonna go in my bathroom <laughs> and join the spaces and start talking and of course you were in there uh that was that was a wild night man it, it's great i i I know you're you're with johnny and i you've been with this team for the long haul and i it's it's easy to notice who's been here since the st louis days because we're so pessimistic all the time like at what point during the super bowl Like, but in between when shit just went off the rails to when it got back on track, like, at what point were you like, all right, they're going to fucking win the game. Like, we're good. Because for me, it took a very long time into that fourth quarter until I was like, oh, yeah, we're good. You know what? It was weird for me. I felt different
3: this playoffs. Like, I felt so confident going into every game, and um, it just felt like the Rams were going to win every game. Like, it really felt that way for me. And then I'd seen the Super Bowl— I mean, I was really, really hammered. Like, I was super hammered. I, I didn't even remember half the game. Like, when I watched the highlights the next day and after we watched the game, I was like, what? They went for it on fourth and one on their own 37? Like, that's insane. I, I honestly did not even remember that. Um, That scoronic drop, the interception right after the long touchdown that shouldn't have been a touchdown. It should have been a flag on T. Higgins. But I actually felt my soul leave my body at that point. I think after that, though, I started to get settled in. It was like, all right you know, we're going to get into this groove. Stafford is a guy that, you know, when he starts to get hot, he feels like he can't miss. Um, And the defense after that pretty much clamped up. I don't think they really allowed anything after that. It might have been three points at most. So uh, it was kind of like after that, like you said, even going into the fourth quarter, I knew that I would push all my chips into the middle of the table, so to speak, on Stafford, because I trust Stafford going against that defense a lot more than I would trust Joe Burrow going against the Rams defense. And obviously it worked out that way too. Yeah, I
1: feel deep. I feel like too you you um had to have like for me personally I had the deflated feeling after seeing OBJ go down with that injury was the same kind of for you or do you did you feel like the Rams still had it at that point
3: You know, I never lost hope. Uh, I won't lie, though. That was definitely hard to see, uh, not just on a personal level. Obviously, you want to see the guy play. You know, this is a guy that I've loved since he came to the NFL, and he's such an easy guy, I think, to root for, and you want to see him ball in that game. But for me, it was just a problem schematically, you know, because you don't have Robert Woods out there. You don't have Tyler Higby out there. Your running game has been terrible for three weeks up to that point. Like, now at this point, Cincinnati can go, you know, bracket or double or triple team, whatever they have to do to guard Cooper Cup and let anybody else beat them. Like, Ben Skronik's not going to beat you, and if he does, so be it. I'll take that L every time. So that was kind of the concern for me. You you even saw in the first quarter, you know, OBJ goes for like 55 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. Like, I thought this guy was going to have a massive, massive game um, and I just watched so many, you know, films and tapes and people smarter than me breaking it down all week. And I just knew the value that he had to that offense and why I ultimately think they'll probably bring him back. And I'm sure we'll dive into that here soon. Uh, I was just concerned, like they don't have another guy that can consistently win. Obviously they still got it done, but, um, I don't know how, how Cincinnati continue like cup win. I, I, that was definitely a concern though, for
2: sure. And, and Johnny, I talked about this last week, like it's the last, the game when you drive in the super bowl. And they're successfully throwing passes to fucking Bryson Hopkins. Like, that 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 was, to me, like, the reason why I was pretty deflated in the second half, because I'm like, the defense is just clamping them every single possession. I'm like, well, they have to move the ball. And then, really, I I, I think for me it was after that fourth and one was when I was finally like, okay, like, this feels like we're going to win. Like, now the momentum's finally back in our corner. But, yeah, man, like, without Odell, like, uh, you know, Van Jefferson's been a ghost the last couple weeks. And... <laughs> So I had this as our last question because our listeners would be disappointed if I didn't ask this, but his name has come up multiple times already. So I got to ask, do you have any hope that Ben Skorana can become any type of useful receiver (laughs) or is he somebody we'll be seeing lighted up in the XFL in a couple of years? <laughs> I was saying yesterday or two days ago, um, the USFL draft just happened. I was joking
3: around. I was trying to tweet it. I'm like, I just got drafted in the second round. Me and Scronic might be teammates there sooner than later. You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, every draft pick is meant to be a superstar because it's just not the reality. They drafted him to be a special teamer, and you know, if you told anybody in august that this guy was going to be playing receiver for you i think everybody would have felt terrible about that that's just the reality of the situation so uh you know if you gave me a 100 bucks and told me to bet is this going to be you know going to turn out to be a good receiver or not i would say no like i i just don't really see it there i didn't really see it on the college tape he could do some things you know he's a tough guy i think he block well but that is definitely not the kind of guy you want out there starting for you at receiver not in this day and age
2: Right. And they didn't draft him to be that. Uh, it just kind of unfortunately fell that way, which is crazy considering how much they invested in receiver this year. But it, sometimes it just happens like that. I will say Johnny Hecker did defend him on a Reddit post of him smoking a cigar. With Somebody posted it with the caption, when you do nothing in the group project but still get an A. <laughs> and Hecker hopped in the comments. He's like, he's one of our best players on special teams. Cut it out. So I'll cut it out for a little bit with Skorotic, but uh, – I'm sure we'll be circling back to him many times in, on this pod over the off season, but but uh, let, let's look forward a little bit to what you know. It's weird covering a team that just won the Super Bowl because it's kind of like, all right, where do you go next? Well, um, so right now the Rams. It's been widely publicized that they're 20 million over the cap and have a lot of free agents pending. But um, I think you could speak to this a little better than Johnny and I. It seems pretty easy for them to clear up a hefty amount of cap space with restructuring, right?
3: Yeah, so you know, at this point in the season or you know in the off season, everyone's always like, "Oh, restructure, restructure everything, everything." Um, and most fans, I feel like, don't even still to this day don't even know what that means. It doesn't mean a pay cut. It doesn't mean you're losing money. It's actually a positive more often than not because all a restructure does is you're taking the signing bonus from you know X year. And you're paying cash to that player up front, so that that's their incentive to take it. And all it does is take the signing bonus from this year, or, you know, we'll say for this season, and it splits it up over the remainder of the life of the contract, right? So if it's $10 million this year, you have five years left, you just cleared $10 million of space this year, and you're going to divide that ten over the next five years, which, you know, you're going to be $2 million over the cap every year corresponding year i guess you could say so um it's really simple to do a lot of teams do have it in their back pocket a lot of teams use it the rams have restructured arguably the most contracts in the nfl over the last few seasons and they actually go about it in a unique way to where they actually build in the ability to restructure without even asking players in their contracts so i think a lot of the guys that they can restructure right now they don't even have to ask whereas you know other teams have to obviously ask players to restructure and like i said Players have every incentive to do so. They don't lose anything. Actually, all they get is the cash up front. Um, But sometimes they don't want to do it. You know, you'll see it very, very, um, you know, not often you'll see it kind of come up. But as you said, the Rams have an ability to really open up a lot of space. I I just pulled up a chart here. As of right now, like you mentioned, I think they're at negative 21 and a half ish million and their potential to restructure. They can open up over 80 million. So you're talking about a lot of space. Now, are they going to use all of that? Maybe, maybe not. But um, if they do restructure pretty much everything to their max potential, all of a sudden you're talking about a team that I think they have like the fourth or fifth least cap space right now. They could be like, you know, seventh or eighth most cap space just by restructures. So uh, they got a lot, uh, you know, of wiggle room here to really get it right.
2: And uh, yeah, and and it's crazy too, because even though they have a good amount of impending free agents obviously you mentioned odell and von miller like the majority of the core of this team is locked into contracts and when when you restructure you're you're basically kicking the can down the road and saying like well we got we, we're we gonna pretty much guarantee that we can't get out of this contract for a bit but it's like the guys you're restructuring are like jalen ramsey cooper cup matthew stafford aaron donald Like you don't give a shit about kicking the can down the road with those guys you want them here for a long time
3: yeah so like you mentioned restructuring can get tricky if you're doing it with players that you might have to like go before their contract is over, you know, because that guaranteed money's not really going anywhere. You're just moving it down the, down the line, so to speak. And so you're going to have to pay it at some point, right? It's going to, it's going to go against your cap. But like you mentioned, all the guys that they can restructure, they're like the heart and soul of the team. That's what they did last off season too. I can't remember exactly who, but I think it was like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and I think there was one more player. I can't remember who, maybe Whitworth, but like those are guys you're going to keep around. Same thing again this offseason. Donald Ramsey, you know, Leonard Floyd is maybe a questionable one, but that's another one. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, like you're keeping these guys around for the long haul. So there's really minimal risk when it comes to pushing that money back. Obviously, again, there's always risk, but uh, you feel a lot better about the guys that you want to have around, that you expect to have around, you know, paying them in future years.
2: Yeah, Leonard Floyd, he's kind of like one of those guys, I think he's a probably a little overpaid, but like still producing. Um, you know, in, in the NBA, you have guys like Tobias Harris who are wildly overpaid, but also not like a net zero on the court. Um, Leonard Floyd is at least producing at a high level. He's probably worth a couple million less than he gets paid, but uh, I, I feel like they would restructure him to free up cap space to, um, you know, keep guys like, I think the two big names – The biggest names for us are are Von Miller and Odell, uh, who we acquired midseason. Now, Von Miller, we obviously gave up a second and third round pick. Well worth it, clearly. We got the ring. Doesn't even matter anymore. And if they lose him, they will get another third round pick most likely because if he leaves here, he's got to be getting a bag. Uh, What do you – like, do you expect – it seems like both these guys really want to play here next year. Do you expect both of these guys to be back? I I feel pretty – confident at least very confident odell and pretty confident right now in von miller that they'll be back but i'd love to know what you think and what kind of money you think we'd have to show out to these guys yeah so
3: i agree i I, you know i think this team is going to be all in one more season um not exactly sure really what that's going to mean in terms of like how long the contracts might be, you know, maybe they only want to come back for a year or maybe they sign, you know, a, a two year contract technically, but it's only a year with a void year after that, which is just pushing a little bit of money in the future kind of thing. Um, but I, I, it feels like they're both going to be back. I mean, you talk about a team that just won everyone for the most part will be back. All the most important players, all like the captains, the heart and soul of the team, everyone's back. Like, I don't see why they wouldn't want to come back they both said they want to come back. Aaron Donald already mentioned, you know, if these guys come back, I'll come back kind of thing. So it feels like a lot is riding on the ability to bring everyone back. You even have Kevin Demoff come out and say, you know, we're ready to write checks. Like if they're willing to come back, we have full, you know, the green light to kind of write whatever we want on these checks. So um, at this point, it's like, you might still be the most talented roster in the NFL next year, or you're going to at least be in the discussion of it. And so uh, if you can do that again, why wouldn't you want to come back? You're going to have a shot to win a ring. So, uh, at this point in their careers, I think both guys are going to want to come back. You know, OBJ now maybe going to want to take a one-year rehab type of deal and obviously try and get a ring again. And then you look at Von Miller, you know, he's not really going to go anywhere. I don't think he wants to keep moving around. He's He seems like he wants to either be in Denver or in LA and finish out here, uh, get a shot to go get another ring and probably retire after that. So I think they're both going to be back. I really do. In terms of the contracts, probably a little bit harder to say. I would say maybe OBJ, you know, one year. 15 million dollar type deal. I think that might be you know pretty fair for him. Um maybe a void year on the back end, so you can kind of push you know two, three, five million dollars, whatever you want, uh, into next year. As for Von Miller, you know, I read somewhere that he's not gonna make the same amount in average per year as he made on his last deal, which was you know a tick over 19 million, which makes sense. That's you know crazy money. But I still think this guy is really, really good. Like, does he make Leonard Floyd money? You know, sixteen million dollars per year. I think that's probably fair to expect. Uh, And it might be like a two-year type of pact where, you know, maybe he retires a year into it. Maybe he lives it out. But I definitely think they're both going to be back. I think they're probably both, you know, in that 80 to 90% chance right now, if not 95% chance to be back. I'd be personally shocked if if they don't come back. And I tend to think that Von Miller is probably more likely just a little bit and then OBJ right behind.
2: Yeah, it's tough for me to see OBJ with the injury too, like – going to a new situation and rehabbing right now you know, unless he really got a, a wild offer uh yeah. he, he definitely wants to live in la you know if if the chargers move on from mike williams maybe they make an offer at him because he clearly wants to live in this city but i i i feel good about both of them i mean vaughn it seems like i feel like if they were to throw like two years 30 32 million at him pretty guaranteed money like i i think he would say given his age you know he he could get 20 from somewhere, probably, uh, on a shorter-term deal. But I, at his age, I don't know if he's getting more than that. And I don't think there's a lot of teams that would make sense for them to throw a huge bag at, at Von Miller at his age right now. Because uh, for most teams, if your window's that wide open, you don't have as much cap space, typically. Uh, but obviously, the Bengals are going to be somebody who might have that. But he ain't going to Cincinnati
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
3: Yeah. I, well, the, sorry.
1: The question, uh, sorry. The The question I have though is uh, about how much of that contract for OBJ is going to be plausible because it, I mean, given his injury, there's really no timetable when he's going to be back. Uh, I mean, he he may not even play the entire year if if it doesn't go as well as we hoped. Um, So, like, do you still offer him, like, a full contract like that? Or do you offer him an incentivized contract? Clearly, there'll be other teams, you know, willing to uh, um, pay him, but how much is kind of the the curious thing like do you expect some of that money to be subtracted
3: off or how how did the Rams go about this yeah it's gonna be interesting to see really how they how they go about it like you mentioned I mean there's a lot of different ways you know you talk about incentives I'm sure uh to some degree they will be included I mean he had a, a heavily incentive laden deal the one that he just had with the Rams I think it was like 500K for the first uh, playoff game, 750 for the next uh, two, and then a million for the Super Bowl. So he made the majority of his money uh, just by team success there. So that was cool to see that he was at least willing to do that. Um, In terms of, you know, what is it going to mean for next year? You know, we'll see. I don't think he's going to play the full season, unfortunately. I've seen uh, Dr. um, What's his name? I think David Chow. He used to work in the NFL, um, always gets injuries right. I mean, the guy's never, ever wrong. I think he mentioned that he expects OBJ to be out at least until like week three or something like that. So you might be talking about missing the first, you know, four weeks, the first month of the season, which obviously will play into that contract and the money as well. But at the end of the day, I just think that they really want this guy on the team. Like I, I don't think Sean McVay is going to feel good about letting him walk. You know, Robert Woods is a different style of player. Really, really good player, too. You know, this is a very tough player, great blocker, all that stuff. But you want Woods working across the middle of the field, doing all that deep over kind of stuff. OBJ is a different kind of player. Like, they like to leave him on the backside. They like to leave him one-on-one. And when you have Cooper Cup lined up across, you can't really – you got to pick and choose where you're going to go. And obviously they're going to go cover Cooper cup nine times out of 10. This is the guy that just had, you know, the year that he had. So I think it just gives so much flexibility to Sean McVay on his back and there in his offense and just allows him to be so much more productive. Uh, And you see Stafford do the same that I think you're going to be willing to overpay even if they have to. But um, you know, like Steve mentioned, this is a guy that does love LA. Like I don't think he's trying to leave either. And that's kind of the thing that the Rams have here in their back pocket is Von Miller's going to want to try to get a ring, right? He, I don't think he's going to be jetting, uh, you know, to go play in Cleveland or something <laughs> that does, doesn't seem pl- plausible to me. And OBJ, we know this guy's a bigger celebrity than he is a player at this point. He doesn't want to leave LA either. So they kind of have that leverage, but at the same time, you know, I think you're going to be happy to compensate these guys properly. You, you look at what they brought to this team. They were both essentially superstars.
2: Yeah. And, and they've prioritized offense almost to a fault under Sean McVay. So Uh, I don't think they'd be too upset about overpaying Odell if they have to overpay him a little. And, like, based on what we saw the last couple weeks, it doesn't seem like anyone in the offense has any confidence in Van Jefferson anymore. Uh, So you know they're going to want to prioritize having a third receiver. Uh, We've seen enough of Ben Skoranek, and we may have seen enough of Tutu Atwell, but we'll see. (laughs) Not writing him off just yet. Uh, We've done our Tutu dragging on this pod for sure.
3: It's hard to hold up at 140 pounds, man. <laughs> like, you know, how, how's this guy going to last 21 games in an NFL season? That's hard to, hard to say, but I, you know, I, I just think that at this point, it's funny when we go back and revisit history, Brian Allen is a free agent. Uh, I'm sure they'd feel pretty good about having Creed Humphrey right about now, not Tutu too, too at well, but uh, it's right there. Yeah. It's, that's a tough one. I still think about that every now and again, but, they got out well you know we'll see what happens he's not even going to be the kicker turner now I don't think you got Brandon Powell and that guy was a stud back there so oh yeah he doesn't really, really have Brandon a role. Powell yeah he's the best uh, technically he's a free agent though right he is too yeah that's gonna be one of the players I really want the Rams to bring back I mean he had a spark and you felt it every time the guy touched the ball
2: yeah I think he'll be back i mean they they they'll have enough money where they could you know pay him a little like a nice cushion like I I don't know how much these guys cost like three four mil it seems like for him um and it doesn't seem like other teams are gonna be like jumping to throw the bag at Brennan Powell I I I feel like they have I mean maybe not because they still try Cooper Cup back there occasionally but I feel like they've had to have realized how important he was to this team's success after just the fucking debacle we've had over the last two years of that position
3: yeah it's it's been tough to see the rotation back there and it felt like if somebody wasn't going to fumble, it was like, oh, man, just please catch it. Like, we got to a point where in my head it was like, listen, you don't got to return it. Just please feel the ball cleanly. And this guy brought a whole different dynamic, man. It felt like, you know, the first good returner since Pharaoh Cooper, maybe. You know, like, it's been that long. So I would feel really, really pressed about trying to bring this guy back, man. There's three phases to, to the game. Uh, you, you've seen some of the big returns from this guy. I just think there's a lot there. Like I would feel really pressed about trying to bring him back. You'd be probably higher on my priority list than than like 99% of people. Like I legit think this guy can impact the team.
2: Honestly, yeah, he, uh, he's very high on mine too. Uh, Matt Gay would be high on mine too, but he's restricted, so at least it seems like he will almost certainly be back. Uh, but you meant you mentioned Brian Allen before, and I definitely wanted to pivot to that. The Rams have. Three key offensive linemen coming up on free agency this year, and Brian Allen, Austin Corbett, both starters, and Joseph Noteboom, who's the heir apparent if Andrew Whitworth retires, which seems likely. Like it seems like he he said recently that he's most likely going to retire, but is not making a decision yet. Um, three three big guys are free agents. It seems I mean in theory they could potentially bring back all three of them, not counting Whitworth. I you know I. Like, honestly, I have no, mu- no no idea how much Brian Allen is going to cost. Like, it, he had a good year, but it doesn't seem like teams are going to be pulling the Brinks truck up to his house to lure him away from the Rams. Uh, do you, how different, if different at all, do you think this um, offensive line group will look next year, you know, beyond the obvious of uh, Wit likely retiring?
3: Yeah, that's... Honestly, I think that's going to be the key really uh, to what happens next year. Uh, like if the Rams are going to be successful or not. And it's, it's hard to say, you know, it depends, I guess uh, I, for me, it begins with Whitworth. Like, is this guy going to retire or not? Like you mentioned, he said, he was probably going to retire. I'm expecting him to retire. And if he does uh, you know, it's going to be tough to replace him. but then you get 15 million extra on your cap and that's a lot of money. Like I think with 15 million, you might be able to resign, no nope, boom. And then one of Allen and or Corbett, like you might be bringing back two linemen for the, for the price of one. Now, you know, none of them are elite like Andrew Whitworth is, but if he's going to retire, he's going to retire. You can't really change that. So uh, for me, you know, if he does retire, you got a chance to bring back two guys. I would hope that they can bring back two out of the three. Doesn't really matter who to me, you know, I think Brian Allen and Corbs are kind of a toss up both, you know, solid players. Like I think they're both really, really quality players. Maybe not, you know, top five of their position, but they're not going to be a liability at all either. Like, you know what you're getting out of these guys. They're both really important to this team and no boom. We've never really seen, you know, start a very large sample of games. I think maybe the most we've seen was like six games last year when Whitworth got hurt and he's always been really solid. Like he's not Andrew Whitworth. He's never going to be Andrew Whitworth. That's just the truth. That guy's a hall of famer, but He's been really, really solid, especially at left tackle. When he starts to get in the guard, that's where, you know, he starts to get hazy a little bit and his play falls off a lot. But at tackle, he's always looked solid. And if I recall, he's actually played on the right side too and looked pretty solid there too. So this is a guy that I would love to have back. It's going to depend on the price, and I really have no idea, you know, what it's what it's going to be. Is it going to be like $5 because he's never really played that much? Or is somebody out there going to be very desperate that a potential starting left tackle is going to be out there And, you know, throw, you know, nine or 10 or $12 million per year at him. I have no idea what to expect with that one. But I think they got a shot to bring back two out of the three. I hope they do. And if they don't, oh, there's going to be a lot of questions, I think, going into next year. Because you don't have, you know, a first, second, or third round pick right now. And you might get some compensatory picks. Great. But are you going to get a starting offensive lineman as a rookie at, you know, pick 120 or pick 150? That's hard to do. So. If you can bring back two out of three, I think you feel pretty good about where you're at. If you lose two out of the three or if you lose three out of the three, then you're really, really in trouble.
1: I I think, too, you have to question if you're able to bring back uh, a guy like Austin Corbett, does he come back as a guard or a center? I mean, that was kind of the thing um, early in the offseason last or this past year was that is Austin Corbett going to be the starting center? And I I think it might be easier to to just kind of put him there if the Rams aren't able to bring bring back Brian Allen, um, as opposed to you know hoping and praying that a Creed Humphrey like player is going to be available again in this upcoming year draft, um, and, and then you know maybe trying to find a guard elsewhere. Uh, is that is that uh, too out there or? Or do you think if they bring back Austin Corbett, that they keep him at guard?
3: No, I I think it's really viable. You know, like you mentioned as well, they kind of experimented that uh, with that in the off season. So clearly it's something that they think could work. You know, that might be the move. I'm not really sure how they're going to want to go about it. I know they've kind of liked Coleman Shelton a little bit. He might be a guy that maybe plays guard. If Corbett goes to center or plays center and Corbett sticks at guard, if that's the case, um, But, you know, luckily for the Rams, at least I would say, (laughs) like you mentioned, probably not going to be a Creed Humphrey there. Unfortunately, they had their chance, but at least interior offensive line is a spot that you can usually invest a little bit less in and get, you know, quality starters or starters or whatever the case is. I mean, Austin Corbett, I think the Rams traded a sixth round pick for him. It was either a fifth or a sixth uh, in 2019. And look where he turned out to be. And and Brian Allen, a fourth round pick and, you know, Joe Noteboom, third round pick. Those interior positions, you could typically get away with investing a little bit less and, and getting more uh, quality there. It's going to be hard for the Rams to figure it out. You know, I do think it is a possibility that he could slide to center, though, depending on, you know, who they bring back and
2: who they lose. Hey, I mean, they they cycled Austin Blythe around the offensive line for like three years, just playing their position. And he's like the definition of fine uh yeah. No, he we got a free agent too. Yeah, maybe they'll bring him back. I mean he was basically fucking free last year, and I don't know why they let him walk, but ultimately <laughs> it worked out. It, it's Yeah, hilarious. you know what?
3: He I think he chose to go back. I remember Jordan Rodriguez saying that he was offered like a little bit more money by the Rams, if I recall, but he's like from KC ish area or maybe from KC, so he wanted to go back and uh obviously didn't turn out to be the best idea. I mean, he could have had a ring right now, but um you know, he's a free agent again, so if the Rams get desperate, at least they have that door open too.
2: It's so funny how linked we are to the Chiefs offensive line situation because he went back there and just didn't play because they drafted Creed Humphrey. Like, it's just so funny how it's all linked. Yeah. Um, A couple other free agents. I, I, I'd love to see what you'd think on these guys. I know your boy, Darius Williams, is a free agent, uh, unrestricted, as well as a couple other contributors on defense, Sebastian Joseph Day, Dante Dayon, uh, Obani El-Gronkwo, uh, also Trayvon Howard and Troy Reader, but they're restricted, so that'll likely be the Rams' decision on what to do with them. But the other four guys, to me, unless there's just no interest out there for these guys, it feels like they'll probably all be gone. I mean, maybe Sebastian Joseph Day stays if if they have the cap, if they have some extra space to throw some money at him. I know they like him, I like him, but Greg Gaines kind of made him expendable. Uh, And I don't – I would be shocked if Darius Williams is back unless, like, nobody believes in him and we can get him on a cheap deal.
3: Yeah, you know, those are some questionable ones. I think – probably start with D. Will. That's probably the most expensive guy. I think I think there's a good shot he walks to. You know, I do just because he started basically two years straight now. There's a lot of cornerback needy teams, I think, out there. This is one of the positions that you can never, ever have enough players at. Uh, And I don't know that the Rams are going to be able to – keep up with the market. Like I genuinely think this guy's going to get a pretty decent dollar, maybe upwards of like eight, nine, right. maybe even $10 million per year. Like I could definitely see that. I could also see the opposite being true. You know, he has to set up for $4 million a year or something, but I do think it's going to be a strong market. And I seen somebody mention it too. Brandon Staley, Los Angeles chargers. Like I could certainly see that being an option there. He's obviously familiar with them um, and he wouldn't really have to go anywhere. So I could definitely see that. I would like him back. You know, if he comes back, that'd be great. I think a lot of people ragged on him this year. And uh, it's hard when you play in a room with Jalen Ramsey, like this guy's special, right? You Anytime you're across from him, you're not going to look that good because how Ramsey does it is how nobody else does it. So it's kind of unfortunate that he has to, um, you know, put up a play right after Jalen Ramsey makes an unbelievable play, but I think he's a really, really solid cornerback too. You know, he wasn't the same guy he was last year where he was a top 10 corner in football, but you would be happy with the contributions that he gave you last year. I think he's a solid cornerback too, as long as he's you know paid that way. Um, most likely, I'll say he leaves. But you know, I would love him back. Dante Dion. Don't really think there's going to be all that much traction for this guy. You know, this is a guy that's been on the practice squad, up down kind of situation. I think if the Rams want him back, he'll be back. You know, cheap veteran, and um, I would try to bring him back. But of course, you know, there's a, a lot of changes on rosters every year, so um, not exactly holding my breath there. The one that's interesting that you mentioned. Sebastian Joseph Day, like what's going to happen with him now? Because, in my opinion, he is a top three, top five run stuffer in football. Like he is that good, or at least he was last year, you know, his last healthy year. This year, I think he plays three, four games and he basically misses out every other game other than the Super Bowl. But let's not forget, this guy was a starter. Uh, he was better than Greg Gaines, and Greg Gaines was outstanding for the Rams this year. Uh, now they do have you know, a lot of bodies there. A'shaun Robinson, great player, Aaron Donald, obviously all world. They have a lot of bodies there. Marquise Copeland, a guy that I really like, that's underrated, but they do like to run out 3D tackles and five guys across the line of scrimmage more than pretty much anybody else in football. And I don't know that they're going to feel great about letting some of the depth go in SJD. And maybe if he comes back, you can find ways to get him and Gaines and Ashawn out there together on rundowns, things like that. And, i really would love to see him back like i think this guy's a budding stud a superstar like a superstar nose tackle just like greg Gaines. and it sucks for the Rams because they have two of them which is also good because now you can feel good about letting one of them walk but i don't know if anyone's gonna be able to toss a bag at a guy that's coming off that pec shoulder kind of injury there um that doesn't have like a ton of playing time but at the same time he's been really really good you look at the Chargers again historically terrible run defense. If I was them, I would be ready to back up the brinkstruck for a guy like that. Uh, But, you know, rundown players aren't exactly valued at the same uh, amount as, you know, pass rushers. So I would love for him to be back. I think that one's kind of 50-50. Maybe he comes back for a year with the Rams and tries to rehab, get a healthy season, then hit, you know, free agency again. He is still only, you know, 27, so he's got time. But um, that one is kind of a 50-50 situation in my eyes.
2: Yeah, and I love that I'm back here. I feel like with him and, uh, you know, you mentioned Joe Noteboom earlier, like they both kind of feel like guys who will get one-year overpaid kind of deals. Like, because uh, they are good, like, but with Noteboom, it's a small sample size. With SJD, you know, coming off an injury, you never know. Um, but they, like, they they both are good young prospects, and I bet they'd get, like, a little bit of an overpay, but on a, on a short deal to you know see what they got and and I wonder if it would come from us you know if Whit retires I'd be happy to do that with no boom and uh SJD as well just stack that room that's the strength of our defense this year that's what we want us to Super Bowl
3: yeah no I I agree I mean at this point like we mentioned the Rams got options like they're they're gonna be you know able to open a lot of money and if they value these guys and want to bring some of them back they're gonna have enough money to do it you know we'll see what happens but um there's a lot of good free agents, so they they will lose somebody at the end of the day. The you know two, three, four, five players will leave the door, uh, but at some point, you know, you you want to see some of these homegrown guys stick around too.
2: Is there you know, assuming we lose some of these guys, uh, we're gonna have holes in the secondary. We're gonna have potentially holes in the offensive line, and we have basically no draft picks to address these needs. Uh, obviously, they're they're gonna have some, and they've had a lot of success with late picks. As less needed will not be afraid to tell you. Is there you know, if they free up enough cap space to have like fifty million, and then they bring go and bring back a bunch of guys? There's still going to be some money left over. You know, is there any players that you think that they would go out and chase in free agency? Uh, it, it's been weird because we haven't had really any chance to talk about free agency in the last couple of years because the books have always been just clearing space for the guys you have. You know, is there anyone out there you could see them kind of pushing to get? <laughs> yeah, it's it feels like free agency is so boring for us, man. You yeah, get we, no traction. It's just we rumors. just signed Deshaun Jackson last year. I'm pretty sure that was our only new player we added.
3: Yeah, and it felt like they like traded for <laughs> Julio Jones or something. Like it was like, oh my god, this is so fun. I haven't felt this thrill in years, you know. But uh, I, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna expect much. I just maybe they'll bring someone in. You know, I don't really know who uh, you you know you mentioned cornerback. If they lose De- uh, Darius Williams, D will. Maybe they go out and get a guy that's, you know, veteran, somebody that they can feel comfortable plugging into cornerback two right away. I don't really know who they would want in that scenario, but, you know, cornerback looks to be pretty decent here. I'm seeing a lot of names as I kind of scroll up and down that are at least catching my eye a little bit. Not necessarily sure that they would feel good about tossing a lot of money out there in that market, but at the same time, you know, there's guys that I think could definitely make an impact. I mean, you look at a Casey Hayward, he was like a top 10 corner last year. He got paid two and a half million dollars. Like there, there's value out there that you can find. So I think cornerback could certainly be an option. You know, we mentioned Austin Blythe is a guy that could come back. Uh, but, you know, I just don't really expect much. We might get one really cheap kind of player type situation. But other than that, you know, they're going to try to hoard those compensatory picks like they always do, especially as they keep trading these early picks away, Von Miller and and Stafford trades. They really need to find a way to restock on the, on the, uh, in the cupboard, we'll say, I guess with the draft picks. So I don't expect much, you know, I would be pretty shocked if they really add anyone, maybe one moderately priced, you know, two to three or $4 million type free agent, maybe a veteran kind of ring chasing, we'll say, but. I uh, definitely don't really expect much there. Cough Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Stefan Gilmore man, Stefan Gilmore would be a good one.
1: I was hoping Happy Gilmore but Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, but yes, I would absolutely love Stefan Gilmore um next to uh <laughs> next to Ramsey. That just would be sick. Yeah. Right. Um uh, that'd be incredible. But yeah, not not uh holding my breath on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, not to me
2: yeah. honestly like it, it wouldn't shock me if D-Will walks they they keep down on cheap contract and they just roll with that because they've done that in the past at the secondary positions mixed results but usually positive and it seems like they do really like Robert Rochelle uh, the, the spotlight was a little too big for him coming out of a small school this year but he showed some promise and it like maybe it's just coach speak but he definitely seems like a guy they believe in yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that's a guy that they're going to
3: give every, you know, every chance to really prove them right or wrong, I guess, as you, if whatever you want to say there. Like, I think they're going to find a way to get that guy on the field as a starter at some point. I'm not really sure if it's going to be this year, Um, you know, maybe, maybe it will be because you look back to the rookie season, like you mentioned, he's an athletic freak. I mean, he is, and he's got a lot of ball skills. Definitely was in over his head. I would say in his rookie season, but Nobody expected him to play that early. We knew this guy was going to be a developmental guy. So he could be a guy as well. You know, I I think the one thing that the Rams do have in their back pocket right now is they're a Super Bowl contending roster. And they were that last year as well. But now we know for certain that they are. There's no question. There's no, you know, is Matthew Stafford good enough? Can he do it? Now we know that he can do it. Now they have the chance that, you know, if there's a 33-year-old or 35-year-old player out there, 31-year-old who's going to retire if they want that one last chance, you know, this might be the team that you want to try to latch on to. So I would expect maybe they get one ring chasing vet, but you know, definitely um, I I think Robert Rochelle will find his way into a lot of playing time this season too.
2: Yeah. It's, it's weird. uh, Watching the Rams for so long to think of them as a true destination, but like they are right now they're in LA. They just won the super bowl. They've got a top 10 quarterback and they've, got arguably the best player at their position at three different positions. So it's like yeah, it's v- very possible this team runs it back again, which is delightful and insane.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to think, you know. I obviously uh I'm not expecting, you know, I'm not holding my breath like we've been saying here. It's so hard to repeat. Um obviously injuries will, will change the the game as well, the equation, but They're legit. Like, they're legit. This was no fluke. Like, this team is stacked with talent. And if everyone comes back, for the most part, I'm talking OBJ, Vaughn, uh, Aaron Donald, you get one more player in there, who's to say they can't do it again? You know, I think that's going to be appealing to players in free agency too.
2: I'll uh, I'll throw you one more question here because we don't want to keep you all night. Is there a player on the Rams roster currently that you're excited to see potentially get a bigger role next season and prove themselves a little bit? Yeah,
3: you know, uh, there could be a player I feel like uh, that most of us are were excited for this season that unfortunately lost the season to a torn ACL. Why don't we go with Jacob Harris? You know, I think this is a guy that, oh, man, he's exciting. <laughs> he's exciting. Obviously, we heard a lot of uh, hype coming out of uh, the offseason, last offseason, the training camp period and all that. Even in preseason, we've seen him get utilized a lot. He was featured throughout the preseason, looked good. Oh man, I think this guy could really bring something to the table for this team. You talk about another offensive weapon that's going to be hard to guard uh, at that position. Like he's sort of like a pseudo receiver, sort of a, you know, a tight end. We don't really know what he is. He's going to be a red zone threat. I think you, you look at Matthew Stafford and I talked about this last off season a ton. He's always had like big body guys that he can throw it up to. And he throws such a good fade or jump ball. You know, contrary to the quarterbacks that we've seen for the Rams before, Jared Goff, good quarterback, or, you know, he was a good quarterback at one point. He could never really throw those contested passes that well. Like Stafford has made a career out of doing that. You see it, you know, the the fade to Cooper Cup to win the, the uh, Super Bowl or OBJ fade or the uh, wheel route that he catches in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Like he's done that so many times. And I think Harris is a guy that really brings that. Uh, body and the size and the ability to climb the ladder to go get passes like that in the red zone. Now that they obviously have an OBJ as well, but that's a guy that I've got, you know, my eyes on. I think most Rams fans would probably say the same. There's not, you know, a ton of young players. Maybe a K. K-Makers, uh, depending on how he can heal over the next few months. But I would say K. makers is a pretty close to like superstar him already. That rookie season already put him on the map. So. I'm going to go with Harris. You know, I don't know how much playing time he'll get. He's obviously still going to be behind Tyler Higby barring anything crazy going on this offseason. But I think they're going to find ways to utilize that guy, especially in the most important areas. Um, And that was a guy that had a lot of hype last year. Hopefully he can recover, you know, and get back in time and have a nice, healthy offseason. But um, that's who I'm going to go with.
2: Do, do you think with Harris, like, is he going to play tight end? Because there was, like, a very, like, weird subplot last year where he was listed as a tight end and then randomly, I think it was, like, an offhand comment at a press conference. Once McVay was like, he's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver. I don't know why it says that. <laughs> yeah,
3: I remember that. That was strange. I don't know. You know, I I, I don't know. I think this is going to be kind of like, um, like a Jared Cook type of situation, Jimmy Graham type of situation where – you know, these guys sort of revolutionized that like big slot type of position, you know, Marcus Colston back in the day with new Orleans as well. Larry Fitz, some of those guys, I don't know what they want to, you know, designate him as maybe a receiver, maybe tight end. I definitely don't think he's going to be your traditional tight end where he's going to put his hand in the dirt and block. Like they're, I think you're going to keep that to a very, very minimum, but you'll see him outside the numbers in the slot. So you might make the case that that probably is more receiver than tight end. So maybe they'll list him as that, but uh, i i do think the usage will definitely look a lot closer to a receiver
2: yeah it, and uh he projects as a guy who could do a lot of the things that they acted like ben skaronic could do when they tried to use him in the offense <laughs> so the, yeah i'm excited to see him too uh we really we kind of got robbed of that this year and we could have used him in the playoffs yeah
3: yeah he would have been uh clutching the super bowl you look at You know, you lose Higby, you lose Johnny Munt, you lose Jacob Harris, you lose Kendall Blanton in the Super Bowl. Like, oh, man, it would have been clutch to have him throughout uh, the latter half of the season in the playoffs. But, you know, that's kind of the way the game goes.
2: Yeah. Well, it it worked out for for the team, at least. Uh, They got the ring. It's great. Uh, So where could the people find you these days? Yeah,
3: so you can find me uh, at Underdog Fantasy. You know, I'm doing a little bit of writing there, kind of getting back in the content game. Um and uh, updating all the injuries, everything like that there. So that's the majority of my work. You can find me on Twitter if you want to just see me be a fool as well, at QB's MEP. But it's um, where I'm at, my friends. If you're on Twitter
2: and you listen to this podcast and you don't follow Sosa, I would be shocked and disappointed. Uh, definitely a great follow. Uh, somebody worth following for sure. Uh, thank you for coming on, man. Always a pleasure. This was great. We'll have to get you on again before the season. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys having me. Always happy to hop on. All right, thanks again for so, so for coming on again. You can follow him on Twitter at QB's MVP. Uh, if you're not following him, I don't know what you're doing on that platform. Uh, and of course, hit me up on Twitter at CRBO. Hit up Johnny at JohnnyFowlNet6. Hit up Rams Talk at TalkRams. And we'll be back next week, probably starting our offseason player grades, which is always a blast. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you guys. Soon.
1: How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't doing it. You personally I think we ain't done yet